Well, here we are again for another episode of the Love Your City podcast. Letitia, you're smirking at me because it's, you're waiting for my whatever. It's just great to be with you, you Sam. Make fun of my intros <laughs> all the time. I don't know what else no, to say. No, well, welcome. Awesome. We're, we we are. I'm actually really thrilled that we are starting to get the odd bit of feedback from yeah. people who are listening. We are gathering a fan club. The three people okay. in the fan club, and we're yeah. two of them. No, it's That's it's been right. great. Um, people have emailed, have sent Facebook messages. Um, this is a part, of course, of Movement Day Australia. Uh, this podcast. You can check us out on Facebook, the Love Your City podcast Facebook page. That's where we post episodes and everything mm-hmm. like that. Movement Day Australia Facebook page. And, and these podcasts are hosted by the Movement Day Australia website, which is movementday.com.au. And people can tune in through any one of those means. Mm, or yep. you can subscribe on yes. your podcast app. You can. And we have recently gone live across all apps. We're available everywhere. Well, we are. It's exciting, isn't fair it? Fair income. yes. Yeah, fair income. So today on the Love Your City podcast, we're going to listen to an interview you had with Peter McHugh. And Mm. I'm excited about um, this podcast because pastors play such a key role in city gospel movements. They play a huge role. Um, I mean, we need everyone, but they play a big role. And what I love about Peter, and I've known him for about 20 years now. I remember listening him coming to Toowoomba and preaching at our church when I was young. But he planted a church in Melbourne um, some years ago and really successful, I guess, successful in yeah, yeah. <laughs> the world's terms. It's no one saw that. No, I just it did inverted commas yes. <laughs> because we're trying to change the definition of success. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but as far as numbers and growth and um, impact, yeah, it's um, it's been successful that way. Mm. Uh, and he admits um, that... Through that, he became a bit more inward focused, looking mm. at his church. But wow. God had alre- always given him a heart for the city of Melbourne, and so yeah. it's great just to hear his journey, um, yeah. how he went from inward, then back to outward, and is now becoming a big champion for um, gospel city movements, brilliant, and reaching Melbourne. So really important. And it's so exciting that it's Melbourne. I yeah. mean, we, we love our city, but our city is a lot smaller than Melbourne. And Melbourne and Sydney would arguably be two of the most significant cities mm-hmm. south of the equator. Mm. If you're listening. In New Zealand, we apologise, but maybe we're a bit Australia-focused. But to see a guy with such influence, who leading what we'd call a mega church, stairway church in Melbourne, mm-hmm. um, uh, to have this posture towards the city is is really cool. So I uh, hope you enjoy Letitia's interview with Peter McHugh. Well, um, with me today at Love Your City is Pastor Peter McHugh from Melbourne. Welcome, Peter. Thank you, Letitia. Great to be with you. Now, you're a Melbourneian. What's your favourite um, football team? Yeah, that's always difficult, isn't it? I was actually raised in New South Wales in uh, the ACT, actually. So I picked Carlton when I was 12 years old. If I lived in Melbourne, I wouldn't have picked them, but I'm loyal to the core. Okay. So how does it feel um, losing year after year then? Um, yeah, I guess you just lose interest, don't you, and uh, look somewhere else. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> Um, and obviously, then the NRL is not much encouragement to you either. So, um, oh well, might be time to pick a Queensland Canberra, team. Um, we uh, follow the NRL down here as ex New South Wales people. So Melbourne seem to be doing pretty well under uh, <laughs> yes. uh, the circumstances. Yes, they they Melbourne always do well thanks to the Queenslanders. So that's great. <laughs> but uh, we're not here to talk about football. But it's always good just to know where we all stand. But um. Uh, Peter, you've been a pastor in Melbourne for quite a while, but just before we talk um, into that, tell us a bit about your conversion experience because I, I love your story and I think it's quite um, unusual. 
Yeah, um, my conversion experience was a very supernatural one. Um, I, at university, was a Marxist student politician who had no time for Christians hmm. and would argue with them uh, unendingly and unceasingly. Um, so, but then my life got into a very deep hole and a deep challenge. For a whole set of circumstances, I found myself at Bill Pringle's church in 1982, in February of 1982, sat through the service arguing with everything in my head. Uh, the altar call was given for salvation. My head was still arguing, but I found myself walking out the front. I prayed whatever prayer I was led in, and uh, I ended up uh, falling over under the power of the Spirit, determined not to, and cried for an hour and had been thoroughly born again. Um, three days later, I was on my own knowing nothing about baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And my tongue suddenly started rattling around inside of my head when I was praying. And uh, that lasted for about 30 seconds, which is a very overwhelming experience. Yeah. And uh, so I then discovered what it was. And so I guess God is responsible for making me a Pentecostal, but I love the body of Christ. Yeah. No, that's uh, one way to capture someone's attention, hey. And um, sometimes... <laughs> it's a landmark in my life that I can never ignore. Yeah. No, it's powerful because sometimes um, people can take kind of years to really convert, but other times it happens in a night. So then how did you yeah, end... Sorry. sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go on. Oh, how did you end up um, pastoring a church then? Um, yeah, I guess it was uh, very soon after I came to faith and Lynn came to faith, my wife. Uh, we both uh, felt that I was called, we were called to full-time vocational ministry. I'm a social worker by training. Um, in my teenage years, I had a great uh, desire to help people and so broke the world record for playing soccer continuously uh, to raise money for flood victims in Bangladesh. Wow. Um, so I think it's just the way that I'm wired and once I was actually... Inside of the kingdom, uh, it was just the natural path for me to go down. Oh, wow. Can I ask you, what is the world record? Um, it's changed now. So back okay. when we did it, which was a long time ago, uh, you had to start with 11 players, and once you got uh, to seven or below, you had to stop. Now you can start with seven and have four people sleeping, uh, huh. and then the <laughs> four people can go off for eight hours and sleep, and the other four come on. So it's now got out to around about 120 hours, I think. But when we did it, we still actually hold the record for 11 aside beginning and we played for 48 hours nonstop. Oh, man. That's uh, incredible. And did you make it into the Guinness Book of World Records? We did, yeah, but that was, again, a long time ago. Yeah. So that would be uh, back in the 1970s now. So but still, now. not many people can say um, they've made it. So well done. <laughs> Thank um, you. For something unusual. But well done, a good cause. So um, you were called in to, to start pastoring, plant, and you, you have you planted the church you're now leading? Correct, yep. Mm. We moved here in January of 1990 to Melbourne. Mm. Uh, we were in Sydney. I was leading the Bible College at Phil Pringle's Church uh, in Sydney, and uh, we felt called to Melbourne. Uh, in those days, the best thing about Melbourne was the Hume Highway because it went back to Sydney. Uh, so we had all the normal biases about Melbourne that New South Wales people had. <laughs> but we moved here with our three children. They were six, four, and two at the time. There were 10 other adults that joined us, and uh, we sold all of our houses, left all of our jobs, and put everything on the line to follow the call that uh, was on our hearts to plant a church here. Mm. And you've done that um, quite successfully over the years. But within um, 
within that, you've also gained a, a greater heart for Melbourne, haven't you? Just tell us a bit about your heart and passion for, for your city. Yeah, I guess it goes back, you know, there was a beginning of a revelation that came to me in the 1990s, probably the middle of the 1990s, um, around John 17 and the place of oneness uh, and unity in winning a city uh, into the kingdom of God. And so I think it's from there that uh, I've developed a great love for Melbourne and for the people of Melbourne, but recognise that it's going to take churches working together. Uh, Melbourne is just far too big mm-hmm. for any one church or any one movement to be successful. And it seems that the Lord made it pretty clear that if we learn how to do life together, um, that the world will know that the Father loves them as much mm-hmm. as he loves Jesus. So it really does come out of a point of revelation that began in the 1990s, but has continued to grow and to flourish. And I feel like I have a much deeper insight into what all that means for us. Okay. So is that something you've been working on since the 1990s, trying to bring churches together? Um, How successful have you been? Yeah, it's taken on various forms and expressions. Um, We're involved in uh, seeing the Prayer Summit movement come to Australia. Uh, David Alton and myself uh, went to uh, America and met up with the guys over there. And so uh, that sort of flourished here for maybe five or six years um, for a whole bunch of reasons that uh, came to a halt. Uh, I probably then started to turn a little bit back into uh, building a local church that uh, I pastor. Hmm. Um, but in the midst of that, always sort of established friendships with other pastors. Um, and so it wasn't so much an organised approach to it as much as it became a relational approach and then probably in the last six or seven years started to take those relationships into a more organized expression where we've uh, run citywide worship and prayer nights uh, for the churches of Melbourne so you know we've seen between seven and eight thousand people mm-hmm. gather from 140 150 different churches um, over a number of different years so yeah it's had different expressions over the uh, over the time. Yeah, no, it, it, it takes time, doesn't it? And and does take, uh, it shapes, um, it comes and goes throughout the years. So, um, but I understand at the end of last year, again, you kind of gathered leaders um, in the room to look at how you can continue to move forward in this and that it's something that you're really wanting to give the next 10 years of your life to, of how do we reach Melbourne? Yeah, um, absolutely. I, uh, I I have become uh, thoroughly convinced that uh, as church leaders, we need to shift our focus from the things that differentiate us uh, and recognise that uh, reconciled diversity is the language that I use. That we've just got to be reconciled to the fact that we're different. Yeah. We've got to be reconciled to the fact that we actually believe about 95 to 96% of the same theological uh, ideas. We practice those theological ideas differently, but if we can be reconciled to the fact that diversity is a good thing um, and that we need relationships for identity and relationships for impact. And so we need relationships that uh, identify I'm a part of this tribe, I'm a part of this group, these are the people that I resonate with around my theological and practice um, expressions. However, we also need relationships for impact. Mm. And it would seem that the scripture is very clear that those relationships for impact are found in loving one another uh, as Jesus has loved us, in uh, speaking well of one another, offering personal opinions to give one another value, 
the pursuit of oneness because that's what is central to both the way the Godhead live together and it's also very clear that Paul and John in particular understood that we needed to defend unity and do everything we could to uh, look after the love that we have for one another. Mm. So I think if we can live with reconciled diversity um, and live with relationships for identity and impact, we can get through some of the things that historically have undone the pursuit of these sorts of relationships that would see the kingdom uh, advance in our various towns and yeah. cities uh, that we all live in. Yeah, that's a powerful statement, reconciled diversity, because I think um, that says a lot more than just the word unity. It's quite often we think that we've all got to become one and the same. and But uh, we are diverse and uh, to be reconciled in that diversity um, just strengthens the body of Christ in a city. Um, yeah, so. and absolutely. I mean, Jesus spoke about oneness. Uh, he didn't speak about uniformity. Um, you've just got to look at creation. you just got to look at the bush. And uh, there are great big tall trees and there are little trees and there are plants with flowers and there are plants that don't have flowers even created weeds which i don't understand but um there's great diversity across both vegetation across the animal kingdom uh and so one should expect that there'd be diversity in the way that his people gather together hmm. well just before we go um peter last year you were one of the speakers at movement day sydney uh, i understand you're going to be out of the country this year so you won't make it um, but that's okay but um, why would you encourage, particularly, I guess, pastors of even larger churches that are busy in their own church, why would you encourage pastors to um, get along to Movement Day and, and engage in um, what's happening there? Yeah, um, I think for me, uh, and I'm certainly not saying I'm right, but where I've arrived is that there's a difference between uh, seeing church as an end in itself and church mm. being a means to the coming of the kingdom um, as church leaders, particularly of larger churches, we live uh, in this world where all of our needs are met. We, as you say, we're very busy. And so church can become an end in itself. It's like the programs of the church, the maintenance of the church. Um, but Jesus always anticipated, I think, that church would be a means to the coming of the kingdom. Um, mm. He used the word church three times. Uh, he used the word kingdom about 170 times, according to the Gospels. Um, in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, he spent the 40 days uh, between his resurrection and his ascension speaking to the disciples about the kingdom of God. And so he obviously had a lot to say to them about the kingdom and the coming of the kingdom. And it would seem to me that the coming of the kingdom, he actually gave us a New Testament commandment that we're to love one another as he's loved us. And that's not just in our church communities or in our movements and denominations where we find identity but it's actually right across the whole body because the kingdom is represented by the full body of christ and mm. so what movement day does is that it explores that reality that uh, i'll call it a truth um, but it also gives incredible stories uh, it gives stories of where this is actually beginning to work and where people are having success they also talk about the challenges that they're faced in getting there which is very encouraging so mm. I think, you know, the book of Revelation says that uh, testimony is the spirit of prophecy. And so I think the Lord is moving across the earth and the Western world in particular uh, at the minute. And he's calling his people to uh, see church as a means to the coming of the kingdom. And I think Movement Day is a critical piece in the puzzle for Australia because it illustrates what the spirit of the Lord is doing so powerfully through testimony, through real life stories and mm -hmm. through people who are able to 
share the lessons that they've learned. Um, so I think if we're focused on the coming of the kingdom, if we're focused on societal transformation as well as personal transformation, um, I think we have to uh, climb into understanding the place of having relationships for impact in the way that John chapter 17 speaks on. Yeah, well said. Well, on that note, we will uh, wrap it up for today. So thank you so much for your time, uh, Peter, and we look forward to um, engaging with you in the future. Um, so enjoy the rest of your day. Great. Thanks so much, Latricia. And sorry that I can't be there this May, but uh, we are away on long service leave in Europe and the call of Europe just ended up being a bit stronger. So yeah. I wish everybody the best as they get along Wonderful. Uh, to May this year. Thank you. Bye. Really appreciated chatting with Peter this morning, mm. um, just his time that he's given to us, a busy mm. man. Absolutely. But the key thing that really struck me, what he said, was just that phrase, um, reconciled diversity. Yeah. And quite often we've used the word unity, the unity yeah. of the body, but it's that's just another slant on it because if we're going to have unity, we need to understand our differences, that they're yeah. strengths. Yeah. When I look around the churches and the body of Christ in Toowoomba, such diversity mm. in the churches and we can in the past we've used those to separate us and keep yeah. us apart but he's saying use them let's be reconciled in our differences to impact yeah. a city yeah that's amazing and i think i like that that um that title he uses or the label he gives it because it, it deals with the barrier just in the title alone whereas unity unity for unity's sake all that sort of thing but but reconciled diversity yes we acknowledge that we're different um, but there's beauty in that. And I remember he spoke about this at Movement Day last year. It's a shame he won't be there this year. Um, but um, Well, he's on long service leave. Yeah, so um, he's, he's done a, a lot of time. And then he's coming back just to give himself to the, his city and really yeah, um, wow. the unity to that. So he'll That's need brilliant. a good break. <laughs> and it, and it, does, it does raise the cruciality. I don't even know if that's a word, but I say it all the time. Cruciality of the unity of the body in a city. You know, like it's great what individual churches do to bring healing, to serve the poor and whatever else. But that John 17 that Peter talked about, the, the unity, and it's the unity that shows the world that we belong to Jesus. You, you can't you can't move forward without it, really. Definitely. And I love that he's um, willing to attack Melbourne. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, again, absolutely. we hear it all the time. Big cities, just overwhelming. Um, easy for you guys in Toowoomba. But here we have yeah. uh, leaders who are standing up saying, no, my city belongs to Jesus and we're going to have a go at this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well done in your conversation with Peter McHugh. And uh, we look, I'm looking forward to the next person, next cab off the rank as we get closer to Movement Day Australia mm -hmm. in Sydney, May 8 and 9. If you're listening from Perth, make sure you put in your diary May 4th. It's a Saturday for Movement Day Perth. Yes. And uh, look out for other Movement Days um, around the country in coming years it's uh, it's exciting to see this move movement taking off Leticia it's been great yep once again as always okay. we <laughs> are signing soon. off farewell <laughs>